Welcome back to another episode of the Dr. Supercoach Podcast. You're joined this week again by JB. And I've got with me a man who captained someone owned by 1% of the competition in the Fantasy Premier League, who then went on to score four goals. It's Pistol. Yeah, claim to fame for this week, but wrong sport. Uh, I think we need to focus on Supercoach. No, no, no. It doesn't matter. I want, I want you to talk me through it first. <laughs> um, captaining somebody that's barely in any teams. Uh, Basically, it went like a com- it was a conversation that went, "Hey, this guy's stats are good," and then my friend saying, "You should captain him." I'm like, "Fine, I will," and the rest is history. So, yes. Yeah, oh, okay, not, so not you're not even exciting. taking credit. I mean, okay. Sounds like your friend made the good captaincy choice, and you were barely involved at all. No, he's just like, "Why don't you do it?" Like, if you think that it's such a good stat, you should captain him. No, it's just so it's his it. idea, though. No, I mean, I was, I was, I was in, his for a, in for a penny, in for a pound. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so your friend is a good FPL player. We get it. Um, how did Supercoach Week go, mate? Can you stop talking about Fantasy Premier League? <laughs> uh, Supercoach went quite well. I, it's funny. I didn't feel like my team was doing very well this weekend, but I managed to finish on 2,158. I moved into 515th overall, which is a nice ranking, sitting pretty. Uh, I'm particularly pleased coming in um, to this round at a good rank because I think majority of people are looking at doing a double downgrade this week, JB, which means that the teams that did well last week hopefully are the teams that do well again this week because there's not as much movement on the upgrade side of things. So fingers crossed um, I can just continue moving up a little bit. And look, top 100's not too far out, too far away from me at the moment. I'm only about, I think, 200 points roughly from it. So... Um, Thereabouts, how did you go, JB? You're kind of representing the podcast at the moment. Uh, the only one that has had a lot of success so far this year. I'm kind of catching up. I started the year at around 50K and then made it back to 20 and then went back out to 50 and with the with the week with a buy round of the Essen and Melbourne game, which was not fun. Um, but the struggle has sort of come to a, a decent uh, ending for this week. I'm up to 10,000 rank. Uh, jumped up 15k this weekend, so um, did make a pretty good, um, pretty good comeback into the season. I don't feel quite as bad as uh, representing us on the podcast now. Um, just the score of 21, 29, and kind of like yourself, I had Shannon Hearn score 39 and Dustin Martin score 66 or something. So 100 between a couple of premiums. I thought I was having a, a tragic week, but um, we just managed to pull out what was a good week in a really bad. Week, I, I guess everyone else just did really poorly, and I don't quite understand how. Um, but the Patreon seems to be on fire as well, so maybe maybe it's us, Pistol. The Slack community had an unbelievable week. I think if we look at some of our leagues where the Slack members are in, they've just rocketed to the top. The Dr. Supercoach Early Birds are the number one ranked league in the competition, and by a lot. They have you know five points uh, average per round ahead of second place, which is huge, so... They're absolutely flying. We've got our Degenerate Classic, good name, guys, um, in third place. We've got the Dr. Supercoach Rivalry League Phoenix in sixth, and we have the Dr. Supercoach Esports team. Um, <laughs> again, they, I mean, they name one. themselves. Uh, do, uh, well, that's weird. You're not holding them back. They're in ninth. So we've got four of the top 10 wow. leagues all coming from outside the top 20, I think, within one round. So... Um, yeah, the Slack community just absolutely rocketed and we've got a couple people in the top 100. So it's definitely uh, paying dividends for those that have joined up on our Slack, JB. 
Well, speaking of paying dividends, the Cancer Council looked like it had a semi-decent week. Um, three donations from what I can tell, and uh, one of them from someone who looks like he's been forced to type out a message, if you'd like to go through those. Sure, I would. Uh, so again, um, Bruce Walker, thanks very much for your donation. Another donut, I assume, um, in you know, it's in too many weeks. Um, if it's the same donut, I'm a little bit worried. You know, we've got those trades. Maybe uh, plug them this week. <laughs> um, we have, does this say JB? Yes, it does. JB, he says, beaten by Al. Sorry I laughed when you were a first round rivalry pick. You truly are a super coach. That's a very kind message. Um, that's reference to our top tier patronage, the rivalry league, uh, where basically we, uh, the podcasters draft players to uh, represent us in our team. So I drafted... We draft real-life people. Yeah, we drafted real-life people. <laughs> I drafted Al with my first-round pick. Uh, he's currently 163rd overall, so well done to me and well done to Al and JB. I appreciate your apology. Um, and last but not least, number nine has donated... Constantly changing his name on Slack, so it's currently number nine. Donation... Donut donation from Eagles number nine, Jumpawara, Brander. Hopefully not stuffing it up this time, um, given how many times he's tried to donate and uh, <laughs> stuffed it off a couple. But appreciate your donate for donuts nonetheless. And a massive, massive score for him as well. Um, I think he got two, two, three, four off the top of my head. With with a donut as yeah, well. Yeah, with That's a donut. <laughs> um, that that doesn't, doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but I love that for him. Um, we have a very Slack-based show this week. Um, we're pretty much going to go through the questions again, as we did last week, uh, written in to us by the Slack members. They've got some doozies here, Pistol, so uh, are you ready for me to start off with these? Yeah, so I think just as a general note this week, uh, it's obviously um, apparent that a lot of teams are going to double downgrade. Obviously, there's merit to people that already have some of the rookies and don't want to double downgrade or have money in the bank. Um, Do you have an example of someone who might already have one of the rookies? <laughs> yes, I know you brought in Rankin and played him on field because we played against each other in a league. Um, so did see did see that one. But for most people, I think a double downgrade is what's going to happen. Some of these questions will go through what happens if you don't need to down, double downgrade. But um, I think for this week in particular where... I guess there's obvious moves. It will just uh, add a little bit of different flavor to the podcast in a couple of unique situations, um, and hopefully the listeners can find themselves in a somewhat similar situation and will be able to resonate with some of the answers. Well, the first question is a doozy, and it's probably one that a lot of people are considering. It's by Westo, and he's asking if you can only get in one rookie this week due to other issues, which is the one that you would target? Um, I'll let you answer first, Pistol. Well, Isaac Rankin. I've got, I've got it's, my It's answer. got to be Rankin, yeah. I think, with the job, the combination of his 111 score, which is just beyond enormous, um, and his job security. And they play Sydney this week, who have half a back line. <laughs> Actually, you can't really score against Sydney, so I'm not sure where that, that, that one's going. <laughs> but for me, I think he's just the number one option, clearly ahead of all the others this week. So I was going to start ranking last year at 200K, and it was for this very reason. I think he was extremely underrated by people going into the season, thinking that he was a low possession getter, um, made the use of his possessions, but still wouldn't find much of the ball at AFL level. Um, I think they, they just 
target him in the forward 50. He's a very confident player. They know he can do some special stuff with the footy. Um, he could have scored upwards of 140. He had a couple of shots late in that game um, to pretty much win the game for them, and he uh, he missed. Uh, he kicked a couple of behinds in that last quarter. That could have really inflated his score, but um, it wouldn't shock me if this isn't the only game that we see from Rankin in triple figures. I, I just think he, with his job security, and now he's shown us, obviously, the scoring potential, I think he's going to pretty much be primed to be one of the best rookies of the whole entire season if he stays fit. So um, the only question mark around Rankin is the fact that he has struggled to stay fit thus far, but um, I don't think many people should risk not getting him just for that fact, considering if he does play, uh, you're missing out on probably the best rookie for the season. Is that probably fair enough? Best over Is Raul still not the best rookie for the season? Yeah, Raul, Raul probably is. Yeah, good call, but... Yeah, okay, we'll go. We'll settle with um, second best rookie on his team for the season. Oh, Great. You've, you've relegated me really all the way down the from best there. in the league to second best on his team. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can't argue that, surely. Is, is Noah Anderson better? or uh, Not not yet, but you know, there's still plenty to play for this season. I'm not willing to just jump out and say yes. Off. I mean, another rookie literally scored 112 this week, so you know we can talk about that <laughs> a little bit later. Maybe. Um, all right, we're going to get into the next question, considering that was a, a pretty easy ranking answer from us. All my rookies are average or aren't playing. Is it time to double down or one up, one down continually to increase points on field? Now, this is an interesting one, and it's kind of team-by-team team based. So I'm interested on, what, interested on what your generic answer here is. You've already alluded to a double downgrade and the fact that most coaches will be doing so. Um, there are a lot of rookies up for grab this week. I count about five rookies that we could go to um, with quite a bit of confidence. So what are your thoughts on the one-up, one-down and continuing the, the points flow or the uh, double downgrade for someone who's maybe struggling in the rookie category so far? Well, firstly, do you want to say which five? Because I think that might take some people by surprise. Okay, so firstly, uh, McPherson for Adelaide. Scored 76, uh, priced at 120K. Um, Day for Hawthorne, scored 92, average, uh, priced at 150 Rankin, uh, we spoke about just then. Simpson is the other obvious one. Price at 120k, scored 112. Lastly, I think Hibbard is the fifth one that I would consider. He's only gone up 20, sorry, 30k thus far. He's priced at 144k. Um, with Dylan Shield missing a couple of weeks now, and um, he him already having a place in that Essendon side, surviving the return of Zach Merritt. Uh, obviously, Dyson Heppel's out for an extended period, so. Um, he scored 75 this week after getting his eye in on debut for Essendon. I just think he's got that big enough frame that he can he can really pump out the 60-plus scores and might have some of the better job security out of the uh, the list that we've gone through so far. I think Hibbert is one that's probably been forgotten this week. I, I do really like him. I know Shield is appealing, but if Shield does cop two matches... Hibbard should score decently for two. I, I am a little worried that like half time he was on something silly like 15 or 16 points and he had a really strong second half to finish on 76. So I think that scoring potential is there for him and he is still at a kind price, only 144k. So I, I don't think it's as straightforward as saying, um, you know, all these rookies are better than Hibbard because Hibbard's already raised a little bit in price. I think there's definitely a conversation to be had about p- potentially selecting him and maybe taking one of the other ones uh, at a later week. I mean, the, the comparison is 
Simpson plus 20k or Hibbard. So I think that's where a lot of people are sort of thinking, because Simpson's going to have such a big rise this week, no matter what he scores, pretty much. He's got a negative 63-odd break-even. Um, a lot of people are just thinking, get on Simpson, guarantee that money, lock it in pretty much. He's gonna, he's probably going to have a, a safe job for at least two weeks uh, with an injured narco and you know his performance on the weekend should get in there. But if Hibbert's still playing in a month's time and Simpson isn't, then it's a serious conversation as to which was the better pick at this time. So um, if we use a little bit of foresight, I, I could see a world where Hibbert is the better pick. So it's it's something to consider for sure. Yeah, if- if Simpson hadn't gone 112 and is going to make so much money, if he'd gone maybe 80, um, I think I would be getting Hibbert over him just for the job security issues. And you know, he, he hasn't Simpson hasn't particularly scored super well in the past either. I guess Hibbert hasn't, um, to be fair. But when someone scores 112, I feel like your hand is kind of forced into taking him and the money that he will make. But to answer your question, the original one um, about is it time to double down or one up, one down, I think... You need to look at your side and see, do you have enough money to actually finish your team? I assume that most people probably will, um, and therefore they don't actually need to, at this point in time, trade out the non-playing players for you know Rankin or, or Simpson. Um, if you just cash out the ones that you have and then let these ones rise up and then cash those ones out, you should be able to generate enough money um, to finish your sides. So for me, when it's a, a week, like I, I know it's, uh, I guess, you're trying to gain on the competition and make up grounds. It just depends on if you're going to finish your team. If you're comfortable that you'll be able to, you know, pay 40K more or 50K more for Simpson or Rankin next week, then by all means do one up, one down and get those premiums on the field to score more points. But you will be doing it at a cost of about 50K, um, which is a lot, JB. So, um Everyone is in a different situation, whether you're playing for a league win, whether you're playing for overall, and whether you know how your team is tracking. Um, I think that if you are potentially doing badly this season, you probably have, I'd say, cash generation issues, um, and you might not be able to um, afford a one-up, one-down this week, and therefore you might be forced into a double-down. Um, so yeah, I think that's probably covered all the bases to the questions. If that if that last situation is the case, it's such an easy week to double down, Greg, because there's obviously so many options. So um, you probably did get lucky. Now, the next question is Blackie, and it kind of ties in with the one that you just answered, but is there any situation where you shouldn't double downgrade this week? Now, I kind of wanted to just... I know you just pretty much answered this. I, I wanted to tie it to a very particular example. Um, if someone did go early on Rankin or for, for some reason started Rankin and thought that he'd play earlier or whatever the situation might be, um, is that the situation where you would ignore McPherson and Day and Hibbard um, and get Simpson and just use the other one to upgrade? Or are you still trying to double downgrade if you're that person? It depends on which def- defenders that you have to trade out to Day or McPherson. Um, I think a lot of people are probably leaning to McPherson in terms of job security rather than, than yep. Day um, just because of you know the return of some of their players, Scrimshaw is coming back, Impey is probably coming back. So, um, you know, they they have players that will come back in that side and it's going to be a bit tougher for Day. But um, McPherson at least will get a couple of games until, while his body can hold up and they need to play their youth and he looks like, you know, he did a solid job, so I'm not expecting him to be dropped. Um, I think that there are plenty of situations where you 
shouldn't double downgrade this week. One of them being if you have a premium player that's going to fall a lot in price and it's time to cut them. I think a lot of people are looking at Pitney, a lot of people are looking at Segler. Whilst Pitney won't fall heaps in price, even if he falls 10k, if Segler's going to fall 20k, you know, by trading them out, um, maybe to get Max Gorn, who might be rising 10k, and to a rookie, you know, you, you probably are saving yourself 40k just on being able to trade out the players that are de- depreciating in price and getting in a player that's increasing in price. So, there's plenty of ways to play this game. It's not as straightforward as double downgrading in every situation is the correct thing to do. Um, points are king at the end of the day, and if you can get a primo a week before other people, um, you know, you're going to have a points advantage on them, um, and that's the main part of the game. It's just about how much um, money is that going to cost, and is it going to come back to bite you when they have more money than you, and if they're able to get a better premium than you because of that money. So. There's a lot to weigh up, but I definitely don't think it's as simple as saying every single person should double downgrade this week. Okay. So if you were a person... (laughs) It's another question. I'm not just bringing these up out of nowhere. This is from Duffer. If you were a person who has money in the bank this week, so, um, for example, you went Rao and another good cash cow last week just to you know Ridley or someone like that, and you've ended up with around 200K in the bank... um, because of the rookies are so good, Rankin and Simpson for very short-term money gain and uh, with Rankin, you'd hope, long-term money gain as well, is it still a case where you want to double downgrade and, and have as much as uh, 800K in the bank? It just seems like a ridiculous amount. I know we can then double upgrade the week after, but um, with the 180K, are you potentially then looking to, to go one up, one down and ignore one of the good rookies? Um they're very team-dependent questions, but I, each of them have their merit. What are you thinking? Yeah, super team-dependent. Rankin, I would bring in no matter what. Um, and then that other trade, again, like if you're using that money to upgrade to get Gorn, you know, go for it, obviously, because he's going to go up a little bit and whoever your R2 is is probably dropping if you're willing to trade them out. Um, it could be to fix a donut and you need to get a primo. Like definitely do that and just, you know, grab a, a rookie the other week. Uh, I don't think it's. I don't think that you definitely. Again, it's kind of the same answer as the last one. You don't definitely need to downgrade if you have money to do a one up, one down. You can do it, um, but you will be sacrificing money for points, which is fine as long as the amount of points that you make up is more than the expected value that those uh, money will make you later in the season. So you kind of do some quick maths and see how much. Uh, 50k will make you late in the season. If 50k gets you 10 points per round, and there's, you know, 10 rounds left of the season, then you need to be making up 100 points with your your trade this week. For example, just a a quick way to try and figure it out. Um, so yeah, basically check check who you're trading out instead of um, double downgrading and seeing if you're getting the right amount of points for the money that you're spending. Okay, my head spinning. I need to ask you something that doesn't involve quick maths or uh, working out whether we're going two up or two down this week. Um, Pitnet to Gorn. Now, you did allude to the fact that uh, Pitnet isn't exactly dropping this week, but Gorn uh, looks like he's not going to drop either, probably in the next month. What is the situation for those who have Pitnet? Gorn is now 750k with a break-even of 124, which is well within his grasp. It's what he's been doing all season so far. Um, it's a decent price gap between the two. 
I know the double downgrade has been spoken about this week. Is it a matter of double, going double down this week and getting Pitnet's gone next week? Um, what are what are you like? What are people with Pitnet doing? I, I I'm struggling to word it because I don't have Pitnet, and the reason I avoided going the the cheap R2 is because I didn't want to be in a situation where I'm making two trades to get them up to someone like Max Gorn who's killing me every week. It's exactly what's happening at the moment. What do people do? I think you're double downgrading to raise funds to be able to get him. I wouldn't be trading out somebody like Dev Smith. Um, I mean, Dev Smith got so much of the ball. I know I'm going slightly on a tangent, but like he, he was fine in terms of role and, and way he played. He just didn't score super well in Supercoach, which is, I guess, what does matter. But if he's going to play like that for the next two weeks with Shield out in particular, I think he's going to score quite well. Um, I'd avoid getting rid of premiums that are performing fine i guess if you have a super underperforming primo actually i'm going to throw one back at you jb if you have shannon hearn who's just scoring ridiculously poorly would you be sacrificing hearn to do pit and um no i probably wouldn't (laughs) i i mean i i really have strong disdain for shannon hearn and um, I'm sure he's a decent human being in real life, but I it just the only thing getting me through at the moment is is me thinking that he's just a horrible person. And I'm okay to hate him for his football ability, which is it's helping me sleep at night, Pistol, because there's a lot of anger right now towards Shannon Hearn. But I, I still I don't, I don't think it I don't think it solves the issue. Like obviously you get Gorn in your side, but you're, you're dropping another premium down. You have to then make two trades to get the next rookie up to another premium. I, I just don't think it's quite worth the, the the messing around with your team. Shannon Hearn is a former premium as much as he's not acting like it. If he then goes to Perth and averages 90 over the next month, you'll be kicking yourself. So uh, I'm not I'm not subscribing to the cutting down a premium just to, to fund it. I think going double down and if unfortunately if it doesn't get you there, then going another one up, one down next week... Um, to get Max Gorn is just unfortunately what Pitnet owners have to argue with themselves at the moment and it's probably a bit of pill to swallow but maybe you don't get Gorn maybe you try and hedge your bet and, and hope that a cheaper Ruckman that's better than Pitnet like I, d- I don't even know um, goes close to him for the remainder of the season Riley O'Brien-esque um, he, he, you know, he has the potential to do it so um, it is a tough situation. It's why you and I went Grandy because it's such a headache at the moment for Pitnet owners. But I definitely wouldn't be culling premiums or mid prices or anyone besides rookies to try and fund the move. How, would you just like how long is too long to hold Pitnet? Is he going to you know he he's priced at a, approximately an eighty average? Do you think like is it worthwhile moving him out ASAP to get to Gorn or you, or I guess. I'm going to answer the own question, or is it the captaincy that's the real problem? Like, if you have a, a captaincy option that you feel safe in having, then is there as much of a rush to get gone than if you didn't have, let's say, Lockie Neal, um, and you just were struggling on the captaincy department? Like, how, how much should we prioritize getting gone into the side if you don't have him? Yeah, you did kind of answer your question there, <laughs> so, um, which is fine. It's, it's, it is the answer. Um, 
those who have Lockie Neal and Grundy in their team but are missing Max Gorn, it's kind of okay. You're leaking points, but I hope you've spent money elsewhere um, to get the premiums that are doing better than the ones that I have in my team, like, for example, Shannon Hearn. So if that's the case, you're probably leaking a few points because Max Gorn is just in that good a form and he's probably everyone's captaincy who owns him every single week. But you're not... It's not like a you know it's not a shipwreck. You've got a little bit of a leak. You're not you're not sinking. So um, if I was someone who didn't have Lockie Neal and I'm looking at Grundy into a random midfielder who's not guaranteed to score well any given week because they're also volatile in their scoring at the moment, that's when you're concerned and you're doing everything in your power to get that trade up. So those who didn't have Lockie Neal. Uh, all gone this week. Vice captain Grundy, as you would, he scored 107, and then they're left with, you know, Cripp scored 56. A lot of people would have thought to captain him. I hope no one's captaining Dustin Martin, but he was terrible. Sam Doherty was averaging 115 and put out a 49. There are just so many traps out there, and you could have gone safe. You know, there were options like Tom Mitchell, who's in decent form, scored 122. That's fine, but that one week the captaincy's going to catch you out. You don't have that sure thing of Max Gorn, and that's when you need to stress and do everything in your power to get Pitney to Gorn. Because right now, I mean, Pitney's. He's not lining the world on fire, but it's, it's not like he's putting out 50s every week. He's still serviceable. Yeah, he's, he's scoring what he's priced at, and I guess Gorn is outscoring what he's priced at and the captaincy, but not by that much. I feel like you've got 300k. If you have one less rookie on your field um, and you have you know one more primo, you're still making 50, 60 points and other position on your field, so you're not getting absolutely hammered by not having Gorn, but I think that might change um, soon. I, I would... And if you don't have Neil, I would be trying to get gone in. Um, if you do, absolutely. If you do have Neil, I think even if you wait a couple of weeks, their their prices are relatively stable, so you can kind of try and jump uh, when you can, and don't don't miss out on you know the rookies that you should be getting. Don't miss out on the value like Bailey Smith next week when he's at his lowest price. Um, definitely don't be passing up on those opportunities just to, I guess, get gone um, in just because. You know, he's scoring super high every week. It's a funny sentence to say. Yeah, and I don't want to keep rubbing it in because it's it's just the ruck line can be such a feed up, not caring about whatsoever for the entire season, or you can get clever and, and kind of make it hard on yourself if it backfires like it is currently with Gwon doing so well. So um, unfortunately... Those people, um, you're stressing a bit, but it's not the end of the world. Hopefully, you have Lockie Neal, and and you know you're not a sinking ship. You've just got a, a bit of a leak there. So, Didn't you lose to um, a team with uh, Pitney this week, JB? And no gone. You know I did, <laughs> and it took for Shannon Hearn to score 39. It took for Dustin Martin to score 66. Both as unique players, mind you. Um, it took for Cripps, who was also unique to get injured, and Williamson, who was also unique to get injured, and he beat me by 50. So if things had gone correctly, Pistol, then I would say that the Gorn side of things are working out better for me than they are for, for Pitney owners. All right, take us through the next question. <laughs> thanks, thanks for making me really fat. <laughs> um, uh, the next question is, is it possible that any, teams, any team besides the Blues win... The 2020 flag. What are your thoughts? Uh, yes. Okay. Uh, the next question is, rank the four rookies, and I'm going to extend that to five, 
in order. You guys will probably do that anyway. And is it time to suck it up and pay top dollar for Neil? So um, we'll rank the five rookies. We have spoken a lot about them, and I think it's obvious that Rankin's are both of our number ones. Um, but then again, we've spoken about McPherson and his potential injury risk, Day and his potential job security, Simpson and his potential job security, and Hibbert, and um, he's not even in this guy's top four, but um, we'll throw Hibbert into the mix as well. So what are your thoughts on the top five there? Yeah, so definitely Jay Bizzle. Firstly, I just want to answer the, is it time to suck up and pay top dollar for Neil? Uh, Why do you always have to do the second part of the because question Because it, it frustrates me seeing Neil playing GWS and it's like, will he or won't he cop the DeBoer tag? I don't think he will. I think he'll go to McCluggage. But either way, it's too risky. So just like, just no, don't. And then anyway, the four rookie thing is Rankin first. I don't want to pick Simpson because I don't feel like he's as good as people are making him out to be. I, I feel like I'm going to put him in next week and he's going to score 55 and I'm going to be loopholing him and not take it. Um, but then he still makes, you know, 50K. So that's a huge win. Anyway, so I feel like I kind of have to pick him just because of the money that he's going to make from one game. Um, and then I'm probably taking McPherson over job security over Day, even though Day is a hell of a player. Um, I actually would put Hibber ahead of Day just because of the job security things. If something changes on the Hawthorne side and they come out and say something or someone cops an injury, obviously Day would shoot right back up, but he's already at an inflated price. He's more expensive than Hibbert, um, so I'd probably be putting him ahead of Day. Yeah, I have the same same ranking. So ranking number one, Simpson number two, McPherson number three, Hibbert number four, Day number five. Perfect. Cool. I'm glad, I'm glad we could agree on that. We never agree on things. Yeah. Well, glad. I'm going to ask you the next question, actually. It's from uh, it's from Gory, a spiritual slack leader. He says, is there a safe primo this year besides Neil? Because a lot of our premiums seem to be very inconsistent at the moment. <sighs> is there a safe premium? Neil. Neil safe? Oh, besides Neil. Um, I think Tom Mitchell's safe uh, in the sense of I don't think he's going to score sub-90. For the season, um, obviously, uh, does he mean? Did, did he just say midfielders? He didn't. He just said premiums, but I, I, assume, I assume he, he means, means midfielders because there there are obviously safe premiums elsewhere. Ridley, Simpkin, the two big ruckmen, etc. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, strictly midfield. I think Trelaw is going to be safe. Yeah, that's um, I think he's got a. I think he's got a really high floor. Um, McRae has a high floor, but uh, it just depends on whatever the coach is doing or thinking at that that certain time of day. So um, I don't think he's a safe ton, but I think he's pretty safe to, to average 110, um, even though he's not currently doing that. <laughs> um, I don't even want to say Dangerfield's safe because I know he's had a couple of really big games which has helped at his average, but he's also had some some uh, low games which I think will be scattered all throughout his season. I've got one for you. Uh, go, go. Help me out, please. Clayton Oliver. He's got a low score of 96 this season. Um, okay, that's interesting. Yeah. I have Clayton Oliver, and I didn't really think of him that way. So, um, okay, oh, well, that's good to know. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I do think he's safe as well. I mean, he's got the best ruckman in the league tapping it down his throat, and he's got Petrarca dominating for the first half and then doing nothing for the second half. So he's pretty much got half a game uh, with the ruck, best ruckman in the league tapping it down his throat and no other competition on his team. Perfect. Well, I think you've answered the question then. Um, Fife will be safe as well. Um, I know he didn't play well this week. Um, 
obviously, I th- I'm pretty sure um, I'll go down on him here. It's it's obviously not a hot take. He must have had some sort of arrangement with the club or with the coaching staff, whatever. Um, that said, that he can come out and play on a speculative ham- hamstring injury as long as he plays four quarters, two up forward and two in the midfield, and he gets to choose when those quarters come. So he spent his midfield quarters in the first half and then spent his forward quarters uh, in the second half. So I'm pretty sure that would have been a directive coming you know, straight out the gate, and um, he obviously got through the game okay. He's got the derby this week in Elliot Yo, and then I think everyone should be looking to get in a consistent Nat Fife um, from then onwards for about 580k. Hard to disagree with Which you. I like how specific you went with it. Like, he gets to choose the quarters, and he chose the first half <laughs> to play in the midfield. It might, it, I mean, it might not have been, but, I mean, it's now five. You can assume that being the captain and, you know, the, their best player maybe of all time, um, that he'd be able to – the coaches staff would trust him to, to pick four quarters and where, where he'd like the split for, you know, his own game. All right, take us through the next question then. Oh man, I was I was in a completely different screen, and you asked me that last question. Well, I, no, do you everywhere. want me to ask you the next one? No, it's fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> Luke wants to know where the delete team button is. If you want to quickly give him that answer, never had to find it before. I'm not sure. Oh, you, you've definitely researched these questions. Have definitely have not. That, that was you rehearsed that answer in the mirror before we podcasted. One hundred percent. Say it to myself every day. <laughs> um, Blackie asks should we prioritise cashing in our rookies with high break evens however are still able to provide decent cover or the rookies that aren't playing so um, the classic Buderick versus Tyler Brown argument yeah I'd be getting rid of Tyler Brown over Buderick. Um it, it will change basically depending on who's in and out <laughs> this week um, I mean Brown I think his first one out for me because I, I don't think he's coming back in the side um, all too quickly. But I, I think um, if we look at the Swans, JPK is probably, well, I mean, he's definitely injured as is Heaney. So I think uh, McInerney <laughs> is going to be coming back in. Oh, <laughs> and I'm just not sure. Uh, I, I would be obviously keeping him above Buderick, but it gets a bit speculative when you see players like if Brand is going to come back in and then which one do you do you trade between them I would be keeping like a Brander above a Buderick but I wouldn't be keeping Tyler Brown above Buderick so I think it, it's a combination of the player that you're trading out scoring potential as well as a break even I think players with really good job security like we think Buderick would have um, kind of go in a category of their own as, as players that you know, when they really max out, then absolutely you can trade him out if you need the money. But until then, like, you don't really need to trade him out. He's still going to offer you, hopefully, a 50 on the bench every week. And best case scenario, he gets an 80 in that time and has a bit of a spike in cash. And maybe that inspires you to trade him out at that point. Worst case scenario, he, you know, gets dropped or starts scoring 30s and, and loses you a little bit of money. But he's really going to stick within that 220 to 280 price range until he does something good or bad. So, I mean, I'm like, that's such an obvious sentence. Um, he's probably going to stick with him there for the entire season unless he either gets dropped or scores something decent. So, 
Um, I think he's just a really safe hold. I, I just like having the security of him on the bench and not not knowing whether he gets dropped or kept or whatever it is. Like you know, yeah, we have so many players on different lines that we don't know when when will be dropped. Like Noble was a few weeks ago, Tyler Brown was a couple of weeks ago. So um, just having that security blanket there, I think, is it has its own hidden value. Yeah, I'm not in a rush to trail Buderick um, at all. I'll, I'll trade him if it's my only option because everyone else is playing um that i can make money from but oh, that'd be you good. Know, otherwise otherwise take me to that reality <laughs> <laughs> um m asks is it time to trade segler his role has changed again question mark thinking of downgrading him to rankin and then upgrading next week uh so using him as one of the double downs um and not copying those poor scores anymore um, has his role changed? They seem to be favouring McAvoy more so than what they were at the start of the season, but McAvoy still is kind of being a swing man everywhere as well. So uh, it just looks like Segler's playing less than 100% ruck time and um, is more receiving the chop outs and spending that time on the bench, but he's still like their number one ruck. Yeah, I. it's a bit unfair to say his role has changed and, and say that um, as if that's the 100% correct answer. We know that McAvoy was getting it towed up against GWS and they didn't know what to do with him. So basically they threw him into the ruck um, to get him out of that back line two games ago. And then last week we saw Patton go down quite early. So you know they, there was that tall forward kind of missing. So they could kind of use Tim O'Brien um, in the ruck and they could have used McAvoy when they wanted to. Um, and, you know, Segler could play a bit more forward to try and fill that pattern-shaped hole. So I'm not going to say with 100% certainty that his role has changed. It feels like a little bit of just bad luck um, with, you know, two weeks in a row, Hawks losing, I guess, players or injuries or strategy or whatever it may be. But the fact that, you know, strategy can come so much into play with um, his scoring potential, like the, the strategy of the team impacts him so largely. It's a bit scary. It's kind of why I'm hesitant picking players under Clarko like Sicily um, just because you never really know what you're going to get. Like we, Sicily could be averaging 100 plus and then play forward for four games in a row. and that, That's a bit scary. It's kind of throwing me a little bit off um, wanting to keep Segler. I do think you can upgrade around him and get rid of him Later in the season, um, I don't like to, you know, double downgrade entirely because you're losing that those points on the field. But if you if you think Segler is going to have a big drop off, um, and the difference between playing somebody on field a rookie, for example, Rankin and Segler won't be actually that many points difference. Well, then you're not really losing many points for that downgrade, and then you can reinvest that money somewhere else in your side and maybe plug um, a different hole or get a worse rookie off your field. So again, team dependent. Um, but I definitely think you can use him to downgrade. It's just, uh, I guess, it wouldn't be my first thought, JB. Can I get a percentage chance on Rankin outscoring Segler this week? And um, remembering Patton is going to miss um, some time, Segler might be destined for a bit more forward time? Uh, I think, yeah. Look, it's only because Rankin plays Sydney, and I think that he's got potential to score really well and Segler plays Gorn so it's just a very good question for you to ask me this week <laughs> I feel like Rankin has at least 50 if he was chance. ever going to do it yeah if, if he was going to do oh, okay, it wow it was going to be this week so I can in that case it. we would probably advise to to look at Segler down and, and spending all the money next week 
Yeah, but you need to make sure that you're getting the two rookies that you need this week and you don't need a third because I, at least I know for me, I'm probably going to end up getting McPherson um, next week. Okay, fair enough. Um, that makes sense. So Kimbo asks what the deal is with Hearn. Um, I'll painfully talk about this man again in this <laughs> podcast because um, I own him and have watched almost every minute of his season so far. The best way I can explain it is that someone has switched bodies with him and the someone is a really, really bad footballer that is now called Shannon Hearn and is the captain of the West Coast Eagles. And so they're like, well, he's gotten really bad at football. We don't know why, but he's kind of our captain and he's got all these years of being good, so we can't drop him. Uh, we're just going to stick him out there and hope he gets better eventually. And he's not getting better, so he seems to be getting worse as well. Um, and then after running around the field, pretty much doing nothing, uh, taking the occasional kicking, which is, is great, um, he then goes to the bench for about 20 minutes to get a, a good rub down and treat it as a, a physio session and then runs back on the field to watch the ball and hug his opponent off the ball and do nothing with the ball, and that's about it. That's that's pretty much Shannon Hearn's game. Or uh, Time's about <laughs> seven in the last in the last month and a half. So, Or if you want the real answer... It's, that that is the real answer. That as 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 scientific as I can make it. Uh, I think you're forgetting one key factor. Clearly, Buddy Franklin is off playing with the Looney Tunes against the Monsters, and Hearn has had his talent sapped. So I think that's the most likely scenario. That it honestly wouldn't even surprise me. <laughs> Especially I'm if that was tomorrow's <laughs> news headline, I'd be like, oh my god, that makes so much sense. <laughs> I'm like, that's what I've been seeing. <laughs> Finally, a reason. Um, Hearn's really bad. If you own him, um, at least know that he's going back to Perth and might be able to average 80 until you can trade him out in a month's time. But I wouldn't, like, as much as it hurts me mentally to watch him and it really strains my eyes to, to watch West Coast play at all these days now because of Hearn and because they're bad at football as well. Um, you just have to upgrade around him and hope that you've got trades remaining at the end of the season to, to get him out of your side. He's already leaked enough cash for it to not really matter. Um, the best case scenario from here is that he suddenly does turn into a premium and 50% of the competition gets him in for 200k less than what we spent, but at least he's not someone that we have to look to trade out for you know almost two trades at the end of the season. So um, I'm copying it. I'm, I'm sitting with Hearn. I would not be trading him in until I saw at yep. least three weeks of form. Um, even... Honestly, if his break-even goes down to 12 after back-to-back tons, I would still want another week of hard proof that he's actually a good footballer again before I go trading him in. Like he's in that sort of territory where he put out a 39 this week and that was generous, Pistol. Like <laughs> He's not the type of player that you want to be stuck with in your team for this year. So don't let him fool you with one or two good games. Just make sure you watch him hard and, and get the full convincing that he's actually a good player again. I think that was the longest time that I haven't spoken on a podcast before and I didn't enjoy it one bit, JB. I <laughs> liked it less, so I'm the real victim here. Um, Jay Bizzle has a pop quiz for you, Pistol, right. and this this is going to stump you because this is a, a tough question. I looked up the answer pre-podcast and it took me about 20 minutes, so this is really going to judge where you are as a super coach player. So he says, pop quiz, name the players that have turned up in all of the games this year and then says there's a minimum uh, of three games required. And a hint, there's only four players. So there you go. You've got it all in front of you. Um, Neil, Adams, Goldie, Grundy. 
Is that right? Uh, yes, that is, that is correct. <laughs> Look, if you're going to pop quiz, firstly, don't need the hints, but I appreciate it anyway. You can um, feel free to do one next week and make it a little bit harder because uh, I oh. genuinely <laughs> didn't look it up. Um, that's, yeah, that's pretty common. I thought most people would know that. That's common knowledge, isn't it, Jay uh, I mean, Adam, Adam's is a little bit of a left fielder. I mean, yeah, I, I, I guess go for Collingwood, Collingwood fan, so but... I'm kind of keeping more of an eye on it, I guess. Well, there you go, JP. So you, you got your answer, <laughs> and you also got a little, little bit of a light roast there as well. Um, I've got a few <laughs> more questions for you before we jump off the podcast. Um, I'm going to go with number nine is saying is double downgrade. Oh, okay, we've already done that. Come on, mate. Um, <laughs> which one to trade out first out of Taylor and Buderick could be a good one. Yeah, well... What are we thinking? So Buderick's break-even, I think it was 52-ish or 54, and um, Taylor's was 46, top of my head. So... You'd think Taylor's probably going to nail his break-even. So if I had to keep one of them, I'm keeping the one that I think's not going to lose money. So probably Taylor. But he does have a harder matchup against Richmond um, than Gold Coast, I guess, Buderick. It doesn't really matter who they play, but they're playing against the Swans. Um, Are both of them in equal job security? Yeah, I I think Taylor, he got cleared of a facial fracture, but I think he might still be sore. So I'm not super certain that he's even going to play this week, in which case... I'd probably trade Taylor anyway just to have that security of a plain rookie in Budrick because you never know what happens next week if all of our rookies are drops. You know, you'll be thank- thankfully that you'll, you know, have someone that even is playing. Um, I'm leaning, if they're both names, I'm, I'd say probably Budrick. And if one of them isn't named, um, well, sorry, I should say if Taylor isn't named, then, then it would be Taylor. Okay. I, I like that. I, I think that's a good answer. So. I'm going to go to Tristan Webster's question. He says, what change to cause rookies like Stasevich and Boderick to slow their scoring significantly? Do they still have a big brackets-ish game remaining in them? So do they have the potential to still score another big score to sort of restart that price um, lift? So uh, I'm going to say someone like Stasevich I think does. Um, He kind of goes missing. He might get dropped this week. Um, He had a shocker on the weekend and Gave up a couple of direct goals, which uh, obviously would not go well with their coach, Fagan. He's obviously runs a tight ship there. So if he doesn't get dropped, I still think he's capable. He, he has the right role, the sort of sitting behind, one kick behind the play, taking those inset marks. He's had good quarters. Um, he just hasn't been able to string together four quarters like he did uh, round three and four. So I, I think he's got the potential. Buderick, though, I don't know. He's, he's a tough one. I think... He's got a ceiling of about 80 that he could pop out one game. Um, he's just young. He turns the ball over quite a lot and you know makes some silly mistakes. I, I don't know if he's quite going to string together a game where he has none of those and, and pops out an 80, but he's got the potential, I think. I think it's just a rookie and high variance sort of thing. Buderick definitely has a big-ish game back into him. There's, nothing's really changed except his decision-making in games is sometimes better than other games. I think it's very possible that he can pop out a 70. It's very possible he can pop out a 30. Um, and that's kind of how I see Stasevich as well. I don't think it's a role thing, just you know, rookies hitting a rookie wall. And I do agree that he's probably going to be dropped anyway. Um, so you know, I wouldn't use a role change as any sort of justification to trade them out or, or to keep them. Fozzie wants to know about our best trade-in targets for the next few weeks. Um, this is important. We're both, well, I mean, we're both. We're all going to have a quite a large war chest 
to look at in the next few weeks, and we need some players to start bottoming out for us to spend it. Um, hopefully, a double upgrade next week, if not um, one up, one down for a few weeks until we do see a double upgrade opportunity. Um, I'll start with who I think is a very obvious one in the next two weeks, and that's Bailey Smith yes. coming off a concussion game. Uh, looked excellent on the weekend. Looks their best midfielder, honestly, most of the time. Um, I think he's going to be excellent for the forward line. He, he's most likely going to average 100 from this point forward. So you haven't missed his, his high games. He's probably just locked into a good role and a good average for the rest of the season. Yeah, I'm not going to argue with that one. I think on the midfielder side, there's quite a few. Duncan is probably, they say, he's a chance to play this week. Um, and he's got a really high break even after he was injured in the first like six minutes on the weekend. So he might get down yep. to you know sub 500k. So I'd be strongly looking um, at him. Andrew Gaff has been tagged heavily tagged two weeks in a row um so you know he's dropped now at 550k um with a high break even as well so i think he's at uh, he's a real good chance of falling below 500k um and he's going to that perth hub as well so i think he can average 110 there so i'd be strongly considering him luke parker up 45 this week basically in no teams now lost heaney and jpk someone has to score points for the swans um I mean, maybe not. I guess I could just tag Parker and no one will score for Swans. <laughs> um, but for him to be you know, close to 500K in the coming weeks, I think is also really good value. So there's a lot of really good value mids. Um, JB, in the back line, it's a little bit more... Did you mention Fife in there, by the way? No, I didn't. But, you know, he's Fife is life. So everyone's got Fife on their mind. Um, <laughs> okay, sorry. Uh, yeah, come on. What are you even thinking? Um, what was I thinking? In, in the back line, though, I think that's probably the hardest position... Um, for people to Shannon Hearn. No, no, I'm not gonna. I'm definitely not gonna mention Shannon Hearn. A lot of the premiums are really <laughs> expensive. Like Mills, obviously coming off a 173, and who knows what role he's going to get now with their injuries. If he's going to be thrown purely into the midfield rather than behind the ball, but he's probably too expensive now um, at 530k and rocketing up. Lloyd is still at 580k and he doesn't really do much except take kickouts. I think he had eight two weeks ago and nine last week, which is a lot of his possessions. Um, I, I wouldn't feel super comfortable get feeling like I'm getting value at him with him at 580k. Haynes is great. I think he's going to be you know top defender, maybe even the t- top defender this year. 560 again is quite expensive. So people don't have this kind of money. Um, Caleb Daniels 540. Sicily still 510. There's no one that's screaming out you know that they're much cheaper. I guess Jaden Short who's 440. But for me that's borderline if it's going to work out or not, if he's going to get more of a chunk um, of, of, of his role given Hawley's out. The one that I've got my eye on, JB, that I think is relatively solid. I don't feel like he's going to let me down. He's not in any teams, basically. Well, that's not true. He's actually in 10% of the teams, which is quite embarrassing. Um, Same thing. Yeah. yeah, but he plays for Collingwood, so I've got my eye on him. It's Jack Crisp. Um, he... In round one, he was quite poor. And then round two, three, and four, he had big tons, round 110. Round five, just, again, another poor score. And round six, and 91. So his price kind of never really rocketed after the three tons. So he's still at 498K. He's got 132 break even because of that 68 against Essendon. He plays Geelong. Um, so I'm not expecting a massive score this week. But Collingwood haven't played most of the bottom teams yet this season. Um, the draw has been relatively harsh, I would say. They've played most of the top teams. Um, oh, here we go. 
No, they haven't. They've you haven't Geelong even played the top team. We haven't played Port. We haven't played Geelong. We haven't played any of the bottom six teams even. So we're, Jack Crisp has kind of been known as a little bit of a flat track bully. So I've just got my eye on him. I'm, I'm very keen on paying you know, 480, 470 for a defender that I think can go 95 plus. And I think it could be Crisp given... A lot of us have lost faith in Rory Laird and his 486. Actually, can I throw a question? I have a at couple you? of names for you. I, oh, no. I'm going to throw. I really wanted to get in first. Okay, fine. You, you go. And then I'm going to throw it nah, back here. I want to hear what it is because I, I think it might be the same question that I was going to ask. I'm going to just pick on Rory Laird for a little bit. A 76 this week, and he was at one stage at half forward flank. I don't know what they're doing with Rory Laird. If you were an owner, how concerned would you be with him right now? Um, and would you bring him in less, if you didn't have him? No, I definitely wouldn't bring him in. Um, I'd be less concerned than Shannon Hearn owners. <laughs> and I just spoke as one of those earlier. And it's it's unfortunately one of those things where you have to hope that he just reverts back to how he has played for the last three, four years. Um, but that's pretty much where you're at. And you've you got to go one up, one down around him. And if it's really a necessity to trade him out and if you know, five, six weeks' time, then we can address it then as, as a luxury trade. But until then, you, you kind of just have to hold out hope. Um, I I just I don't know what Crows are doing. It's hard, It's really hard to put your finger on it because they're obviously they have to go young. They're not winning games. Um, it kind of leaves their aging players in a weird spot because they want to um, develop players like Will Hamill, for example, in the spots that these players are already uh, sitting in, like Brody Smith and Rory Laird. So it's kind of a weird position. Laird might get thrown around a little bit, but we know where his best position is. His coach knows where his best position is. If Crows want to be competitive in game, then Laird probably goes back to the the pocket, uh, sorry, the flank, and starts playing well again. But it, it could really go either way. We don't really know with Adelaide. It's kind of unpredictable at the moment. Um the questions I was going to ask you was about two players that are potentially cheap, um, potentially premium players. Now, um, it took Duday three games, um, one of which was pretty good to get into a good rhythm. It looks like he has it, judging by his last couple of games. Do you think it's possible that he becomes a keeper? If so, the players that don't have him in their teams, is he still a trading option? Or are we going to wait for a Ridley slash Simpkin type of situation where we, we jump on too late. So I think Duda is definitely going to be worse than if you were trying to, you know, peg your top six to eight defenders. You'll be leaking points in that position every week. But for this season, um, where I, I don't think it's going to be super possible to get the best in, you know, every line, um, if you already own him, I think you can probably comfortably, probably comfortably, um, hold him at D6 for the remainder of the year and not stress too much. And if you've got the luxury trade at the end of the season, just you know sideways him off to someone you feel more comfortable with. At 380k though, I don't think I would be bringing him into my side. If I'm going to be doing a one down, one up upgrade, I'm going to be getting someone that's a, a lot more proven. Um, than Duday and a lot less prone to those stinkers that he can have where he can score in the 30s and 40s. I'm not super accepting of that as from my premiums in my side. So even Rory Laird, you know, if he drops, he's going to probably drop a little bit more. But if we can find him at 450k, you know, given his floor is probably in the 70s, that feels to me a, a lot safer than somebody whose floor is in the 30s and 40s. My next question to you was, is Dan Houston a 
option as a cheap defender uh, premium. <laughs> Look, Rockcliffe was dropped. Houston started scoring well. Is it just chance? Um, I think at 452k, I'd feel more comfortable paying 460k to to get Brody Smith now that Rory Sloan wow. Rory Sloan's out for four to six weeks. Um, I think. Oh my god! If, as you said, they're going to want to play those defenders in the back line. So I feel like it's just natural um, that Smith is going to be playing in the midfield more um, over He's the next. He's a bad four midfielder, weeks. though. He's not a good midfielder. Uh, yeah, I could say the same about Houston, though. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Either way, so say no for both. Don't say yes for one I and said, no for I the other. I said I'd prefer. Brody Smith than Dan Houston. I definitely would not prefer Brody Smith. But I didn't say I would get either of them because I wouldn't. <laughs> okay. okay, that's a weird answering to the question. <laughs> it sounds like you've uh, you've deflected and you've backtracked and you've also sat on the fence all at the same time. So the pistol um, special the, to the P. <laughs> yeah. All you need to do is recommend one of them and, and then say that you're going to trade him in and not do it. So. <laughs> um, all I'm going to say to the people that keep on messaging me on Twitter asking if Dan Houston's back is that you just can't jump on yet. He's He showed at the start of the season how frustrating he can be to own. He had the perfect role, ruined it, went back to defense, had a good game of defense, and then went back into midfield, Has had a good half in midfield now. He only scored 20-odd points in the second half of that game. Um, we need to see more from Dan Houston, and I'm happy to pay up to 520k, if that's what it Oof. might be, for me to understand that he's actually a keeper and good midfield pick. Um, that would be another two or three good games for me before I, I jumped on, I reckon. What about Darcy Byrne-Jones, who's about to fall under 400k? Last year, you know... In the There's back a reason half, for that. Yeah, back half of the last season, you know, he went on the tear, averaging 95-plus. Is there any chance he can get back to that form? And he's still a good player. I, I think he can get back to that form. I don't think he's being more accountable or anything like that. I just think it's... Um, because Port are currently a better side than what they were last year, I think each player is sort of having an individual lift. And then the players that were really outstanding, um, and we've seen it from Boke in the last fortnight, haven't quite had to do as much um, in the winning sides. So I just don't think he's a consistently good scorer for the, for the remainder of the season. I think he's going to have good games, but he's going to match him with equally bad games. All right, perfect. Take us through the next question. I assume there's not many more because we've been talking for an hour. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, there's not very more. Uh, you, you should have a crystal ball there. Perfect. Um, I'm kind of uh, speculating as to whether I answer, ask this one or not. It's from Barbecue Barbs, and it is a good question. Um, it might take you a second to dissect, but it's a big what if at the moment. Um, it's if the AFL extends benches for the shorter turnaround games, like what Dimmer has suggested, up to six or eight players on the bench. Um, will rookies and depth players be most affected because they'll be benched more or will guns also be rested more? Now, it's obviously um, a big what if. Uh, he also talks about the pie being more diluted with more players on, on the ground and that. What do you think, um, and it could be a discussion for a future podcast, obviously when things are actually confirmed, it's, it's probably going to be best to talk about them then, but just as a hypothetical at the moment, what do you think... Um, in regards to the games being played in a shorter time frame, what the AFL might do to counteract um, injuries, or we've already seen more injuries this year than um, ever before, um, is is there a chance that we're stuck with rookies that we don't want anymore? Is this what it, should we be considering this when we're making our rookie selections? Um, like Rankin is a far and away better option under that sort of thinking because he's actually one of their best 
20 players or 15 players or 10 players on his day. So um, what, what what's the sort of thought process that goes into this, if there is any at this point? That's absolutely terrifying scenario. I'm just imagining a world where Sam Simpson's on the bench for Geelong and comes on for like a 15-minute burst and that's all he plays for like four games in a row. So he's only capable <laughs> of scoring like 10 points per game and just loses heaps of money. Um, the irony of that is that because prices change after two games, um, well, for these rookies, they probably go down <laughs> after the after the second one and it ends up being <laughs> just this weird situation where rookies are absolutely terrible. I'm hoping our teams are more fully primo by that stage so we don't really get affected. Um, but yeah, I, I totally agree that the rookies and anyone who's currently not getting a lot of time on ground, it probably gets, um, I wouldn't say spread equally with the extra bench. It's probably the people that already have low time on ground get even less time on ground. Obviously, there might be an extra rest or two for the proper premium guns like like Lockie Neal. But um, yeah, I definitely am not, you have to take it as it comes. You can't really plan around it because if it doesn't happen, you know, then you've just ruined your team for no reason. So I'm going to stick with just buying the, the guns. Um, I'm not really going to worry too much about time on ground. I will kind of put an asterisk and think, well, if there's two rookies, I'm obviously going to get the one that has stronger job security. I might take a little bit of a hit in scoring potential just for someone that's got a little bit more job security, but I feel like we naturally do that anyway. You can kind of see that with the Will Day versus McPherson scenario. I think a lot of people... Yeah, absolutely. A lot of people would lean to McPherson anyway because of the job security. Um, But yeah, I really hope that doesn't happen because it will just kill off, I guess, the cash generation abilities and and any sort of way we can finish our team, you know, we'll just die. And, And even if we you know, got three trades a week or whatever it might be, it wouldn't really help because we just wouldn't be able to make money. So that's a really scary proposition you've put out into the world there, barbecue pups. <laughs> I was say, please don't shoot the messenger. I, I even responded to him saying, uh, do you want me to go dark mode this podcast? I'm not thinking about these scary <laughs> propositions as Supercoach is already kind of on the edge with all these injuries and inconsistent players. And um, it, we don't, I don't think the Supercoach world needs another, another curveball like that. Um, the last thing, the next thing we need is uh, buy rounds to be implemented again <laughs> mid-season with no preparation. Well, well um, that's actually probably the solution to that problem. <laughs> please don't say. No, that, that's probably the solution. I know it is. They just that's go the I'm best saying. eighteen for every oh, round no. that there's a shortened fixture, and then you don't get those ten points for rookies. Um, but the problem that's, is that it's though. good for scoring for super coach. It doesn't help the money, the problem that we have. So I guess it's no. not that good. It's not that good of a solution. Take that back, JB. <laughs> uh, do you have any last questions uh, to shoot out there before I um, recap? Yeah, I've got one here um, from... I didn't have one. No, I do have one from Tommy Hurd. He says, I've got heaps of trades, okay, 250K in the bank with Pidney on the bench, so as an R3. Scott Grandy, I assume. Um, does he A, cash... It cash in Pitney now, grab a forward primo and grab Rankin, or double downgrade to Rankin and Simpson, leaving with over 500k in the bank with Pitney on the bench and then double upgrade next week. So it was trading out Taylor and Starsevich. I left that part out. Yeah, that's fine. Um, I mean, there's no there's no rush to trade out Pitney. Uh, like the money's good, 
But if you're only going to double downgrade um, and then double upgrade next week, I mean, it doesn't really matter who you trade in and out this week. You kind of just focus on the high break-evens and make sure you don't lose money. You try and just maximize your profits there. But um, to anyone that has just Pitney on the bench or has a random thing like that, he's not. He's just not going to lose you much money. And worst-case scenario, like he, he actually could come out and score another 130 like he did in his first couple of games. So... He's probably, um, if it is just a matter of doing a double downgrade this week and a double upgrade this week, he's probably the last guy that I'd want to trade out just in case he does pull out another randomly good score because he's probably the most capable out of like when you're discussing random rookies that are probably going to get dropped or players like Buderick or Taylor, such and such, such, and such. So um, he, yeah, he's probably my last priority to trade out if he's just sitting there on your bench getting 80s every week and not really moving much in price. If you're playing for overall, if you have 250k in your bank going into this round, I feel like you're behind the eight ball in terms of volume of premiums on your field because um, it's a lot of money and that much money, that's a lot of points. You know, you're leaking minimum 50 points per game on other people's teams just because of the amount of money you're holding in your bank. So I would be tempted to um, grab a rank and, and grab a premium and just sacrifice the 40, 50K um, and you know get points on the field now because otherwise you're just going to keep falling behind. Um, that's assuming you're going for overall. If you're going for league, well, then you know, judge based on your opponent. But yeah, I'm not, yeah. I'm not a big fan of you know having 500K in the bank um, yeah, like it's. I mean, if it means getting Bailey Smith and Nat Fife next week, it's not the end. Of oh the yeah, world. no, totally. If you can get those, you know, two absolute guns in, sure. But just holding has holding two fifty k from like a previous week into this week just means that last week you probably struggled because you had so much money in the bank, and now you're going to struggle again this week because you have a lot of money again in the bank. Like I would have felt a lot better. I, I had uh, yeah, I, I had 260k going into last week and I have 210k going into this week. See, well, I mean you've got less, so you're doing an upgrade, um I assume. So you're getting something out of it, but for people that, you know, I feel much more comfortable if they had zero last week so they got, you know, the maximum amount of points they could out of their side and then this week they have 500k because they've got rid of Pitney and they've got rid of somebody else like that's fine then you double upgrade next week but if you already had the money in your bank and you're getting even more money you've just fallen you're just falling behind the other teams and you won't be able to catch up quickly like it's it's a shortened season this is uh you know points are king it's it's really tough okay so I'm kind of going to try and summarize and I, I don't want to speak on your behalf so you can um argue if you don't exactly align with these last thoughts here but um essentially Rankin is a must get this week for everyone um I'd probably I'd do a lot of things to get him in over the other rookies I think he's going to be an outstanding option um if you already have Rankin then Simpson is definitely good enough I'd be you know fine with getting Simpson and it actually enables you to go one up one down because the third fourth and fifth rookie aren't absolute must-gets like the the first two are. Um, if you don't have either of the first two, if you don't have Rankin or Simpson, which are, is obviously I'm talking to 99% of the competition here, um, double downgrade is the likely option this week. Um, looking towards a double upgrade, looking at Bailey Smith next week and Fife in a couple of weeks. And like you said, Mitch Duncan, who could play this week and the list goes on. So um, I think we're pretty unified in saying that um, double downgrade is going to be the most popular move. Uh, we It gets our tick of approval. Rankin and Simpson should be good cash cows. Um, otherwise, yeah, if you if you were smart enough to grab one of those two early, 
then you're looking at a one-up, one-down. I don't think the other rookies are a must-get. So um, I think that pretty much sums up the podcast. Um, maybe slight disclaimer, if you do desperately need to get rid of a defensive player to avoid a donut, obviously I'd go someone like McPherson over Simpson. I don't think that'd be too much trouble. Um, besides that, Pistol, do you have any closing statements? I zoned out, so I missed what you said, but no, I'm sure you took care of it, and uh, I appreciate wow. I appreciate everybody That's listening. Yeah, there was that. Two- do, you, do you see what I the professionalism that I'm stuck with here? Yeah, you. I'm talking to the community. I'm not, right, pistol, pistol. I'm not talking podcast. to you. More than I'm me, pistol. I'm not talking to. You. I'm talking <laughs> to the community. Do you see the unprofessional <laughs> behaviour that I have to podcast with? It's been an hour and ten minutes we've been sitting here, and this guy can't even hear my closing statements and and nod his head and agree. Did you talk about? He just Hearn? zones out. I assume you talked about Hearn, Yeah, probably. Pretty much the entire time. Yeah, that well, you know, it's forty minutes of the podcast gone. Yeah, I look, he, he he got brought up too much. They kept asking the question, Pistol. What do you want me to do? You can find us um, on Twitter at JB underscore DRSC, Pistol at Pistol underscore DRSC, and Chizo at Chizo DR underscore DRSC. The main page is Dr. underscore SC. And now that I've gone through that, do you reckon anyone actually continues listening to this point in the podcast? I definitely know Chizo doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, Chizo, Chizo, I mean, Chizo gets five minutes in and he's all good. So, um, oh, I was supposed to get him back for taking random shots at me last podcast, thinking that I don't listen. But I won't. I'm the bigger man, Pistol. So, um, if you get through this part of the podcast, that's awesome. Because I, I assume when they start hearing the social media shout outs, they just turn the podcast off. But I think everyone at this point deserves a gold star. So, give yourself a gold star. All right. Cool. Thanks, community. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in, everyone.